This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS Global Research PodHub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name's Neil McLeod, Head of APAC Equity Strategy, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Natalie Cade, who's Head of China 360 Research. Now, going back a bit, when I started my career as a fund manager, Natalie, we used to have models from analysts that would try and predict what was happening for earnings for companies, but things have moved on a lot in the last 20, 30 years. We've got all sorts of alternative pieces of information. And now we've got China 360. Talk to us about what it is and, and what you do. Thank you, Neil. So China 360 is a new research offering at UBS. We deliver evidence-based thematic research and on-the-ground access, connecting the dots across consumer, internet, technology, and macro trends. Our insights are powered by UBS Evidence Lab data and underpinned by our own uh, extensive network of industry and expert contacts. The team is predominantly based in Beijing, and that on-the-ground aspect of China 360 is really important because it means that we can collect the insights that matter faster. And challenges of COVID aside, having that local presence has become even more important as, to your point, the nature of investment research has evolved. Our clients want granular insights contextualised by robust data and local perspective. And that's what we're hoping to bring. OK, so it's very different. It's very innovative. Can you, can you give us a concrete example of the sorts of things that you're doing? So a, a very good example um, in, of how we can collect those insights that matter faster would be around the so-called community group by trend. Um, this emerged coming out of COVID um, and essentially is where a designated community leader creates a social media group and then coordinates grocery shopping within a community at heavily discounted prices. Um, Pre-COVID, groceries really weren't delivered significantly online in China, and COVID has transformed it, but particularly through this model, this so-called community group buy. Um, it emerged in the middle of last year, and UBS Evidence Lab data was showing that, that the traditional supermarkets were feeling the pain as consumers' purchasing behaviour changed. What we were able to do on the ground was to quickly go and interview store owners, delivery riders, residents, suppliers, to try to understand whether this trend was going to be significant. Was it going to be a habit that lasted beyond COVID? Or would people just go back to shopping in the supermarket? So that's a, a good example of where something, a trend emerges in China and we can quickly jump on top of it and try to understand the sustainability of it and the potential impact of it. So it's not just getting the trend, it's not just getting the quantitative data that's saying something's growing, it's really getting these insights, these anecdotal insights often of what's actually driving it and why it's happening. Absolutely. And I think, and it's also about trying to understand how quickly the trends are evolving. Because in many cases, we're aware that a trend is emerging in China, but it's very hard to get a concrete sense of just how quickly that could disrupt uh, an existing industry. Another good example would be um, in areas like robotics. 
where we're really seeing domestic manufacturers innovate very, very quickly, catch up with their foreign peers very, very quickly. And again, this is another example where we could see disruption and it could come quicker than investors realise. I want to come back to that because that's a, a very big theme that you've been talking about. We've been also um, discussing quite a lot in recent years, but I, I'm quite interested on this whole concept of disruption because you've been in China on the ground for a very large part of your career. It must be quite challenging, but also at the same time exciting, given the degree of disruption that comes along. How do you stay on top of all these changes? Because a theme that might be very prevalent today, two years from now, could be itself completely disrupted. I think it's through having multiple inputs. To your point earlier, we're using, you know, we have data from UBS Evidence Lab. You know, it's, it's a different form of research to what we might have done several years ago. We've got multiple data points and we can really triangulate that information to try to, to, to track the pace of the development of, of, of those trends. And the key, again, is being on the ground and talking to people. It's not about what we uh, think necessarily, it's about what the people on the ground are telling us about the changes. And, and of course with China, it's, it's a, a very large country. These trends are evolving differently in different sized cities. Uh, they may evolve differently in urban areas compared with rural areas. So you really have to speak to the participants in the respective industries to try to stay on top of those trends as they change. And I guess one of the benefits of not making investment recommendations on the back of it is you're not really embedded in terms of an existing view. You're really just describing what's happening rather than having an existing view that you're trying to defend. I think that's an excellent point and speaks very much to what um, the USP of China 360 is. I would like nothing more than for my analysts to come to me to say, we've got it wrong, it's changed. We, we want to capture the trends as they change, not get stuck to a view that we're then trying to look for evidence to support. We actually want to try to capture the evolving nature of the dynamics on the ground. And of course, as, as, as you know from all your years covering China as well, things move very, very quickly in surprising ways. Sentiment changes very quickly. And we can become easily wedded to a view that domestic brands can't challenge foreign brands, for example. And that could change very fast. Which is a, a good segue into a theme that I know you have been looking at in detail, which is the, the strength of, of domestic companies in China, particularly uh, versus overseas competitors, a, a theme that I guess 10 years ago people couldn't conceive necessarily that Chinese brands would be very successful. But there's been so much work that, that we've been doing from a data perspective showing the rise of innovation in China. I know this is something that you've also been doing a lot of work on. Absolutely. And one of the areas we've really been digging into recently has been uh, warehouse robotics, changes that are happening on the warehouse floor. And this is one area where I think the domestic manufacturers are, are accelerating their ability to implement. Um, I met with a group of China-based uh, CEOs a few weeks ago of, of large multinational companies, and they were resounding in their message that the Chinese companies can now implement systems, warehouse automation systems, much faster than foreign competitors, perhaps even in half the time. And the advantages are not just speed um, and also not just price. Um, these companies in terms of technology are also increasingly on a par with the foreign, with the foreign competitors. 
And that competition is intensifying, therefore, domestically. But what we're also seeing is these domestic manufacturers increasingly going global. Their global footprint is growing. So the foreign brands in some circumstances are being challenged, not just within China, but also on their home turf. I mean, that's something that we certainly noticed uh, with the work that we've been doing on innovation, mm -hmm. uh, looking at Japan in the 1970s and 80s, Korea in the 1980s and 90s, was this accelerative movement to, to moving from maybe a catch-up manufacturer to suddenly starting to compete on a, on a global basis. And I think that's, I suspect, is going to be one of the big surprises for a lot of people in the rest of the world, is suddenly seeing these Chinese brands going global and being very, very high quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that's going to also help accelerate this trend is a topic we've talked about before, um, technology convergence. We have 5G, AI, the Internet of Things. These key technologies are, um, are, are going to act as a catalyst that could transform this trend that we're discussing. Um, and in our view, China is very well positioned for that convergence for a number of reasons. It's got the largest amount of AI data globally. It's got 7 billion IoT connections. And it also has the potential to be among the first countries to complete 5G deployment. So I think in some sectors like robotics, this is going to really help drive the advancements in the sector. But we're also seeing innovation in just in terms of regular consumer brands. Um, we were speaking to some uh, consumer experts on the ground in China last week, and we were talking about innovation in, in coffee, instant coffee, a segment that you wouldn't think there could be much innovation left to come. But that's an area where China is, again, surprising. Domestic brands are surprising and putting pressure on multinationals. I shall, I shall look forward to this when I go to get my branded coffee in the morning to see how this is going to change in, 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 the, in the coming months. Um, We've talked a lot about innovation. Um, I guess it'd be quite interesting to talk about COVID and innovation. How has, how has COVID changed the way that you have to deliver this product? Great question. So pre-COVID, of course, we would be taking clients on the ground to meet face-to-face -face with some of those industry experts I've just, I've just referred to, whether that's a store owner or a consumer marketing specialist. Um, in this virtual world, um, things are, are, are quite different. So what we organized last week was a three-day virtual tour um, for our clients to meet with 12 specialist speakers across the consumer space. This ranged from uh, specialists in luxury to specialists in beauty to marketing executives to social media strategists. Um, and what our clients are able to do through that is to really dig into some of these trends we've touched on, domestic versus foreign brands, or also to these evolving channels, whether it's through community group buy or short video or live streaming e-commerce. You're seeing many new forms of shopping in China that don't yet exist in other countries, but are emerging very, very quickly in China. And so through an event like last week, where we can put our clients face to face with these experts, um, they're really able to get that grassroots insight into those evolving trends. Which I suppose is, is more important than ever, given that if you're sitting offshore, you can't get onshore to see what's actually going on. Absolutely. And I think there's, that's particularly true in, say, the internet space. One client once described it to me as the light bulb moment. You, know, you need to be on the ground to have that moment of understanding. You need to experience it yourself. And of course, if clients can't come, that makes it challenging. But we can bring that experience to the clients through these virtual tours. So we'll certainly be doing more of that in the coming months. Fantastic. Well, I, I look forward to seeing more of them. Thanks, Natalie. And thanks for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. 
That was an introduction and overview of China 360 with me, Neil McLeod, and Natalie Cade, head of China 360. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2021. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.